Hey, Jake. I like video games. Well, hello there, Tony. I like video games, too. Welcome to another wonderful episode of... Hey, I like that game. Tony, I love that you mentioned that every episode is wonderful. Like, you know most <laughs> of them are. I want to say most. We have a good ratio, but... But most of them are pretty wonderful. I, they're all they're all great. Uh, Jake, how you doing, buddy? I have been doing fantastic. Uh, just loving that we're on our own podcasting network now. We uh, kind of sent out a blitz on social media to all our friends. Uh, you know, blitz for us, uh, and the response was fantastic. And it's just been uh, it's really great to see see people in, uh, engaging with it. Yeah, yeah, it's really fun. So we, we broke ourselves out into our own channel where you can find us on iTunes and Google Play, Stitcher, you know, basically anywhere where you can find uh, podcasts. The uh, last big one we still need to get on is Spotify, who I'm in contact with right now. Right, so that, that'll be cool. But, but yeah, thanks to everyone who liked the Facebook page and wrote us reviews and ratings on iTunes. It's it's super fun. Keep keep uh, keep sending them in, uh, boys and girls. It, it feels really good. Um, so yeah, it's so good, man. Podcasting. That's fun. I love it. It's just it makes it all all the more enjoyable to see people uh, enjoying it as much as we love to do it, and uh, we'll continue to continue to do it because uh, it's just a fun thing to do. I get to talk to Tony every so often. Because hey, we <laughs> hey we like video games. <laughs> we do. That's a fun fact about us. Not sure if you knew that about Tony and I. We do right. like video games. True story. And uh, we're not just like the video games we play for this game. We play other games for fun too. Uh, so what what have you been playing recently, Tony? Well, thanks for asking, Jake. So the game that I want to talk about for my segment here is a game called The Swords of Ditto. Uh, if you're following the Facebook page, I dropped a uh, an article in there uh, about this. But uh, The Swords of Ditto is basically, imagine uh, The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, that perspective, that style of like action-adventure game. Um, but it's procedurally generated. It's kind of like a roguelike. It's kind of run-based. Um, but the art style is really nice. The music is really good. Um, I think the gameplay itself is, is fun. You know, the fact that every dungeon is procedurally generated, it ends up feeling kind of um, uncurated at times. But, but some of the puzzles are super fun. Uh, it's a really engaging game. Also, it has drop-in, drop-out. Uh, multiplayer, which is... Oh, that's always fun. Yeah, right? Like, especially for a roguelike, like a run-based game, like, having drop-in, drop-out is, is, is a must. Uh, and this game, this game is super-duper fun. I'm playing on PS4, but you can get it on PC. I don't know if it's on Xbox One. I don't believe it's on Switch yet, but I believe there's a version in the works, but, um, The Swords of Ditto. The Swords of Ditto. Really cool game. Um, but, Jake... I know you've been playing through a, a critically acclaimed game lately with your new PS4. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about God of War? Yeah, so I just recently finished God of War. That was the other one I wanted to finish before this episode. One was uh, today's game. The other was God of War. Uh, I definitely have complaints about it. And I know the one thing you mentioned is that you don't think it necessarily lives up to the hype. And... Mm-hmm. I think this was also kind of like Super Mario Odyssey, which is a game that I very much like and have like played more since it's uh, like since finishing it and have like enjoyed it. But I do think that it was a little overblown. Um, but yeah. it's still uh, it's still a really good game. Like it's 
looks great. Like nobody can ever take that away from it. It's just a fantastic example of like where we are as far as graphics go. Yeah. Um, the gameplay. I think the the combat can be a little like unnecessarily deep at times and gets a little bit monotonous, but it works very well. It's a, a good way to sort of like update the previous God of War fighting system, which got I think repetitive. This one uh, gets out of that a bit, but I think overcorrects maybe. Um, and I don't know. I have I think the biggest problem I have with uh, with the story, but I'm not sure how much you'd want to get into that as far as uh, concerning spoilers. Okay, people, if you're concerned about the story of God of War, we will insert later the time period you can skip to to get past spoilers, but Mm. but we need to talk about this. So, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, skip to the 11 minute, 20 second mark to avoid spoilers. Okay, so the game starts, like, immediately, uh, Kratos having... I, I actually never played God of War 1 through 3, but as I recall from just uh, knowing about the games, he kind of destroys Greece and the majority of the Pantheon. He kills uh, a, lot a lot of people. A lot of people. A lot of collateral damage, as I understand. And he just basically moves to somewhere in, I don't know, in uh, Sweden or whatever, uh, where, like, the Norse Pantheon reigns supreme. And he's just laying low... He got married, had a kid, like, first scene in the game, wife's dead, having a funeral, and the game starts, uh, Kratos and his son, Atreus, uh, are going to fulfill the last wishes of his wife and take her ashes to the highest peak in the land. So it's like, okay, that's our first mission, it's gonna get the plot started. No, that's, that's the whole game. You spend the entire game trying to get the ashes to the highest peak in all the realms, and it's just so frustrating because I keep moving the goalpost, and then they have to, like, because it's Kratos, they have to throw in him just getting really mad and killing gods every so often. So then that just kind of gets wrapped up in it, and they attempt to kind of wrap it up and explain why that happens in the last, I think, oh. literally three minutes of the story. Yeah. Which I want to know what you're audibly groaning about. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like... The big reveal, again, spoilers, spoilers. Oh, the, God. The big, the big it was so dumb. Is that Atreus is actually Loki. And it's like, oh, that's a god I know the name of. But what but the it, fuck does that mean? Why? It means nothing. It means, it nothing. means nothing at all. It's the dumbest fucking thing. And then if you, like, the only thing that I liked about the ending of that game was, like, kind of the secret scene that you find. After you beat the game, if you go back to uh, Kratos' house in sleep, there is an epilogue thing that says, like, a couple years later, or days later, uh, Kratos wakes up, Atreus wakes up, and then Thor is at their doorstep. You know, like, (laughs) that looks cool. Like, I can't wait to see what happens there, but, like, the, the whole time the story of that game is just not... It's not like it's nonsensical, because I wouldn't say it's nonsensical. There's no purpose to it. But, like, yeah, it's like, it keeps... And then they try to inject purpose in the last three minutes of just dumping exposition on you, of, like, this, why didn't I know this at the beginning? Then I would have a reason to want to do this, other than, like, it's a personal journey, I understand that, and it's more about the journey of Kratos and Atreus having their, like, father-son bonding, and Atreus learning who he is, and Kratos coming to terms with his past of God and collateral damage genocide right. um but like but, but like the main dude that you fight 
his motivation. Boulder. Yeah, Boulder makes no sense. He's like, I feel no pain, so my life is crazy and all that. Like, he's trying to to put forth that he is this, like, really messed up in the head god and doesn't Mm -hmm. give a fuck and... What are his actual motives? You never really understand. So it's he's, like he's mad at his mom, and I guess is trying to find Kratos's wife, who he doesn't know is dead, and who is also apparently a giant. Right. It's, it's <laughs> right. It's 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 one thing after another. It's like I don't get it. I don't care. But the story that that Kratos and his son share is interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, like yes, the, yeah. The, like the quarter or halfway through the game where Atreus learns that he's a god and he becomes a little fucking shit is Oh yeah, he's like a oh, complete a asshole rat. for two hours. He when he shot me with the fucking arrow, yeah. I was so happy that he got his ass kidnapped immediately afterwards. Right. I was but, livid. But, like, but that's <laughs> but that's what you could say is the genius of the game, right? Is that Exactly, it, yeah. It, is that it makes you feel these emotions so hard. You feel like you are Kratos. And you know, in, in the scene when he goes to pick up the cades, the 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 blades of chaos again, you know. Yeah. Like oh, has, that's a really good. That's a really good scene. He legitimately buries them under his house, like he's burying his past sins, and then he's on this boat going back to his house to get the blades. And was it Aphrodite or like Athena? Athena, that's it. Athena comes to him in a vision, you know, and is talking about how much of an asshole you used to be and it's like kratos is trying to put that shit behind him but he needs to bring out old kratos to to finish his goal right but like Mm -hmm. what is just to stop this from becoming just god of war again you know like it it was interesting that there was subtlety in kratos's character and then from now on, they're, they're setting the precedent that all these other games did happen. So at any mm-hmm. moment, it could turn into, you know, God of War 3 again and just be, like, insane, no plot, but Kratos is killing everybody, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I had gripes of the story. Uh, it seemed kind of off. All the fights with Baldur, though, were so cool. They were pretty So epic, yeah. epic amazing uh, like when it like when that's something that God of War always does when it goes for like the high notes, the epics, it just like really lands. But I mean, those were the only boss fights that felt really engaging. Did you fight any uh, of the Valkyries? I saw yeah, I fought the Valkyries. Uh, that was just like controller throwingly uh, annoying at times. That shit's hard. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see how much post-game content I go through. I um, think it's probably like end of spoiler section. I do want to go in the combat just a little bit because there are some really cool things in it. Um, so the main weapon you use for most of the game is this frost axe, and it's basically kind of like Thor's hammer in the movies, um, where you can throw it and then just, like, recall it back to you, and it adds, like, it adds some really cool gameplay, and it uh, really is important in a lot of puzzle solving, too, and you have to use it inventively, and that is a really, I think, just an interesting mechanic, and just something so simple, and also, like, just almost, like, derivative other media, like, like the Marvel movies and stuff like that. Like, everybody has, like, a, something they can throw and pull back to them, but nobody's ever really done it well in a game, and I think it's really executed well in this game, and it's a whole lot of fun. Yeah. I, to- I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, I think, all in all, really good game. Um, it makes sense as, like, a soft reboot. It makes sense that Kratos is, like, a real 
asshole of a father at times, too, because he's seen some shit, but he doesn't have, like, PTSD or anything like that. He's basically just like, if Superman went bad for a while and felt a little bit guilty about it. Well, that's yeah. a bad, bad comparison, because Superman's, like, supposed to be a good guy. But, like, Kratos is just a guy who got really angry and killed a lot of people, and now he feels guilty about it and tries to restart his life. And it yeah, makes but- sense for him to act the way he does. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it makes sense that he's gruff. It, like, if he was a good father right off the bat, you would be shocked. You know, um, but right, yeah, right. I think the, the game is the game is fascinating. It, it's a it's a good video game. It's just like I didn't love it as much as a lot of people did. You know, I like wish the, they didn't try to make it open world. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. Um, I think that about wraps it up for for this portion of the show. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will be right back with the main attraction for this episode. Oh, boy. uh, A stall. Alright, and we're back. Uh, so, the game we're talking about this episode is my pick. Uh, it's a game called Astal. Uh, this is for the Sega Saturn. came out in 1995. Um, very kind of obscure game. I, I don't think a lot of people would know what this game is, but... Uh, I, I had never up, heard of it. Yeah, I grew up... I got a Sega Saturn when I was a kid. I was about 10 years old. Um... Did your parents it, hate you or something? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I, I just, I had, like, every system. Like, I got every single system that okay. came out. I didn't that, always... better. I, I always had, like, a handful of games for all these different things. Like, I had a Dreamcast. I had uh, a TurboGrafx-16. I had these, like, kind of more rare, off-the-beating-path systems. And you always get a handful of games for them. And, and this, this was one that I had for my Sega Saturn uh, that... I remember liking, but I couldn't remember all the details of it. You know, it's so for those who don't know, which is everybody, um, this is a a 2D side scrolling platformer. So think like a Mario Brothers game, um, but more anime. Like this is a this is like an anime Mario game. Um, Mm -hmm. Main character is this guy, a stall, who is. Uh, you know, he, he's super duper strong, I guess. And he's, his main goal is to save this other princess. You know, he's the Mario, he's the Mario to her peach. Um, Mm -hmm. and you kind of just, you make your way through, um, certain, like a bunch of different missions to kind of get. Like all the places you expect in a, you know, mid nineties platformer, cave stage, fire stage, ice stage, etc. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just to show the, this, uh, this hero has gone through a a trial. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but Jake, I'm really curious, like, give me your take on the vibe of this game, because this is, this feels like a very place in time video game. Like what, what yeah, so. The Sega Saturn was just kind of like a generation of game that, or console that sort of like went over my head. They kind of did the same thing again with Dreamcast, where they like released in the middle of a normal cycle. Um, So I had not ever played a Sega Saturn game. I had never seen a Sega Saturn in my entire life. Um, So I was like really interested to see, like play a game for it and see 
with this like I think it's like 32-bit operating system would be like would play as. Um, I ended up enjoying this game much more than I thought I would. It has it's like the intro and kind of like the progression of the story and like the way the characters act is a very like Mega Man 8 adjacent. It's that really like over the top anime style. But in this, it's a bit more charming, I think, because you can definitely tell how much effort everybody's putting in in the recording booth. Like, the story and the script just dribble. It's garbage. It doesn't matter. It's, It's, like, a creation myth. Um, But everybody just gives their A game to the performance and hands it up. You could feel that Sega was trying to make a new series with this game. Like, they put some effort into it. And it's... And it shows up. Like I, I wanna I wanna linger on the that intro for a second. Like this game, like Mega Man Eight, has an anime intro to it. Um, but it's done in a uniquely Sega Saturn way because like the way that that game or the way that system renders graphics, it, like it, it it makes you could tell in Mega Man Eight that's just a video clip playing, right? Yeah. Like, you could tell that that's just somebody who like they animated it like rendered it into like whatever video file it is and it's like play this at the start of the game but a styles anime opening is like made in like within the game's graphic engine and it and it looks kind of smooth because of that and like you said it's a creation myth thing but the the sense of art direction for each one of these characters like they fit the bill so much a stall plays this like angry strong protector of well, uh, what's the princess's name again? Lida. Um, Lida. <laughs> so it's like Lida's the nice one that's like all in tune with nature and all that. And then Estal is her protector, and he's this big kind of burly, you know. Right. Red, he looks like Popeye. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like. So it's super it's strong. Very, yeah, it's very like traditional stereotypy characterization, but. Mm-hmm. They execute it so well because all the characters look very unique. They all exude a lot of passion when they give their lines. So, like, everything uh, voice line-wise in the game is in Japanese, but the voiceovers are in um, English. So, Mm -hmm. like, you're understanding, like, the the movements of the story, however basic it is. But, like, in-game, when they drop voice lines... It's in Japanese, and it's like they're fucking giving their all, you know? Uh, at the start of a level where Estelle goes, Ikaza! You know, like, he really... <laughs> Wait, did you not listen to the English, or play the English translation, or the North no. America version of this game? I always, I, like, I had the North American version of this game. Okay, I was gonna say, because, like, the voice acting is crazy. Like, yeah, they like, in the uh, game itself, they have, uh, yeah, like, the Japanese actor, and, like, you know, Yata! Whenever you beat a mission, it's great. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, the sound effects are what I remember from this game. Pretty solid music, too, actually. It's, yeah. like... The presentation, like, audio and visual is, like, for the time, 1995, ahead of it. It's, like, ahead of the curve. Yeah, the the game looks gorgeous. It absolutely looks gorgeous. It's, it's very anime. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's an anime-looking game for sure. But um, like we say again and again with old games, it's stylized, and that helps it remain, like, just, uh, like, pleasing. Like, it still looks 
like pretty solid because it's right. stylized and it's not trying to go for realism because that would just like have dated it so much more. Right, exactly. It's like you have to have a strong vision. Like I could see this this game having a Saturday morning ca- cartoon or like oh, having yeah. or having. I think they an, wanted an, something like that. Right, they wanted that to happen, and they just doesn't. It just doesn't. You know, like um, I, I kind of want to talk about like the gameplay uh, a little bit about this mm-hmm. game. Like it's it's similar to like a Mario or a Mega Man where you're given like a rather simple kit of tools to figure out the challenges of each level but like it it, this game is very smooth you know like you can grab enemies and you can throw them you can like do a ground pound to like stun them you have a bird companion that you can use to like either find you health or attack enemies i Um, didn't find out she could give you health until like way too late in the game (laughs) It's funny, like, you know, we just we just played Mega Man 8 and we talked about how, like, oh, like, they don't tell you how to do any of the rush moves, right? Like, yeah, I explained to you how to do the rush, the, like, the rush item fetch moves. Um, this game does it very similarly. Uh, you get a bird companion within the first five minutes of the game. Like, you literally, you learn how to, to jump and attack enemies and then you um, you get this bird who's your companion for the rest of the game, who is also like a a drop-in, drop-out two-player character, which is super fun. Yeah, Um, I didn't know that, and I was doing some research into the game, and I found that it was like actually like like silently two-player. It's kind of neat. Yeah, way ahead of its time. You know, like uh, Sonic 2 had the same thing. It's like that game is really one-player, but if you want to play a character that has no effect on anything, really, you can't play. <laughs> you know, like, the bird and tails are, like, about the same thing. Hey, um, hey, don't you dare shit talk tails. <laughs> tails is awful. I was a younger brother. I played tails all the time. He could oh. fly. You tried doing that, Sonic. Oh, you blue asshole. Oh, whatever. <laughs> uh, anyways. Uh, but, like, the... The game is, like, simple in what it's trying to make you do. Like, jump platforms, attack these enemies, like, whatever. Um, But it does it in such a charming way. I I think the art style pushes things forward for this game in terms Mm -hmm. of its gameplay. Like, it's not... It'll never require the dexterity that you need for a Super Mario World or for a Mega Man game. Like, it it doesn't fall in that range. It's a little bit simpler than that. But... It's still mechanically fun to play, right? Like you had a fun, you had a good time playing this game, right, Jake? Right, right. It wasn't like there were times in uh, Mega Man Eight. I feel like I'm just going to keep comparing it to that, just because the aesthetic is pretty similar. But yeah. there were times in that where I feel like the platforming uh, would just sort of it wouldn't feel great and it would make it um, more difficult and not as engaging to go through the platforming sections. But in this, the platforming is fairly smooth. It's not like a top-notch sort of control like you had in uh, like Super Mario World or something, but it still controls very well. Um, the enemy design is actually pretty cool cause for some reason. Like, I don't know. I think they mentioned it in the lore that like life comes from crystals, but all the enemies in the game are basically like crystals with like appendages on them and it actually like it lends itself to a really uh, cool style um yeah. of the world and of the enemies and the attacks uh that he has work well um they feel good the hitboxes are solid it's just it's 
it's a competent game. There's definitely effort in there. There's solid programming, great art design, but it's just it just falls short of being something spectacular. Just I think because of its brevity, for one, and yeah, because it's... there's not a whole lot of original gameplay or ideas going on in there. I I completely agree. Like it's this game could have been something if this was on the PlayStation One. If this game yeah. was on a platform that had more of a reach, like Sega Saturn was not did wasn't gangbusters, you know, like it it only had a hand. Like there's a lot of really good games for that system, but I don't think a lot of people had it. So like this this is a game that just gets forgotten in time. But you're right, it's so damn short. You know, you can beat this game in an hour and a half, and you're not even trying to speed run it. You know, oh like, right, it's crazy my, easy. My playthrough is about two hours. Like that, that was about it. It was two hours. I sat down. I, I utilized save states, but like, um, I didn't, I didn't have to a ton. Like I had to on a couple of the bosses. Yeah, I, I beat this game in two hours. Like it, mm-hmm. I utilized. That's yeah, about the same saves. for me. Yeah, I utilized save states. You know, to to get past a couple hard bosses. Like specifically, um, the final boss it, it, that gave me a little bit of trouble, but it wasn't terrible. He just had that um, one ice dragon attack that was really fucking annoying. Yeah, yeah, like, his, it was almost like his pattern wasn't difficult, it was just, like, they dragged that final fight out a little bit, you know, like yeah. it was just long, it overstayed its welcome, I feel like, um, Donkey Kong Country has the same problem with King K. Cruel at the end of it, like, that boss is fun, but it's, it lasts way too long. Um, right, and it's got the two stages, and it's actually really yeah. pretty difficult, especially when you're playing it casually. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like this game has, has some of those same problems. But, like, the the artistry in the world that they create, you know, like you were just talking about, like, how everything's kind of focused on crystals. You know, yeah. the the first couple of stages where, like, you're, you're in this, like, crystalline forest, and then you're in a castle, and then you're fighting kind of outside in a, in a big open area, like... The game is really, really good at drawing forth um, emotions based on the landscape. Like when you're fighting in the the fire area and you're fighting a fire dragon, like it feels, it, it feels like the stakes are raised. Like it feels more mm-hmm. high intensity as opposed. The fire to, dragon's a pretty cool fight, though. Right, it's it's a super cool fight, but like you you compare that to some of the earlier stages where you're like kind of in water crystal levels like when you're riding on the back of that um that dragon thing and you have to like punch its back for it to like shoot you up in the air right Um, that auto scroller thing like that feels like serene in its um environments like it it feels like like the the things in the periphery right like the art direction of this game is just so good it's so good um that that fire dragon's a good boss, right? That's a. Fun it looks cool. Boss. The dra- like the bosses look cool. So there's the like the winged beholder, essentially. Yeah, there's which... the, the, the bat, the bat eye. Right, and then there's that one where there's like a giant plant, plant and yeah, it's like... in the background of the stage. And you basically have to like chuck things at it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's like, uh, yeah, it's almost like one of the bosses in uh, of Battletoads. Kind of right, like that, but yeah, and then there's a, the fire cool dragon, boss. which is cool because it like comes in from the foreground and like sprays fire, right. and then you it's fight, a... like yeah, you yeah, fight yeah. blonde, blonde a stall at the end, and then there's the final boss who basically just like he looks like big pig Ganon. 
yeah, uh, and he's, he, like, he's he in the background, and then like occasionally comes up, and it's like an actual like three D sprite that punches at you. It's like the bosses are cool, like they're like neat ideas. They like look good. It's just this game just. I don't know, it came out at the wrong time on the wrong system. Like, There's, 2D like, platformers were out at this point. Next year, it, uh, Super Mario 64 comes out and just changes everything. Yeah, like, this game is, for me, like it, it's truly a hidden gem, or like a forgotten gem, because it came out at the wrong time. It was maybe a little too short. You know, like, there's shortcomings to this game. Like, I, I am not saying yeah. this, is a, this is not a perfect video game, but this is a very good video game that doesn't get the credit it deserves because you put it up against what was at what was coming out at that time and it's like, well fuck, man. Like when you compare it to Super Mario sixty four, well yeah, it's not even gonna compare. Like it's not even gonna rate. But that's right. like and it's trying to kind of also like encroach in on 3D and stuff like that with its graphics and with like the camera rotations yeah. and enemies in the foreground and whatnot, but it's not a strong 2D platformer either. Like better 2D platformers had already come out and were more fun to play. You know, I I want to go back to something you just talked about there, like how how it messes with the foreground and the background when it comes to like enemies, like right. and boss and boss fights specifically. Especially boss fights, yeah. I, I took a really, really cool screenshot of the fire dragon boss. Like I happened to pause it in a moment where um, the dragon was coming in from the foreground into the background where your ca- player character was. Like it's flying at you and it flies kind of like over your head, right? Um, but a stall is looking at you. Like the camera shifts to where like normally a style is looking uh, from uh, left to right. But in this sense, the camera shifts, and he looks directly at you as a player, and the mm-hmm. dragon is flying towards him. It's it's such an interesting turn of the camera, and they only do it for, like, that boss fight. They do it another moment. They in, do it for uh, the, like, big bat boss the fight. The big bat, yeah, the very first boss fight. But they don't do that a ton. But when they do, like, I notice it right away. I'm like, that's really fucking cool. You're like, like that had to take a lot of rendering power and a lot of just, like, I or, think, unnecessary it, amount. No, or it didn't take that much rendering power. That's why they were able to accent these little moments with a good touch. Like, a nice little okay. touch to make it more cinematic. Because, like, they did that shit as early as, like, Contra. Like, Super C, uh, or not Super C, uh, what was it? Yeah, Contra for the NES had moments where, like, you're, the camera shifts behind your shoulder right i remember all the the, boss fights were like that but like you have like that's just a section of the game or it's a level it doesn't dynamically shift that way but the sega saturn can do that so they're able to add little flourishes to it to to make it more uh cinematic which i which i fucking love i love those moments but it it doesn't do that kind of stuff for the sake of gameplay it Mm -hmm. does it to make it more cinematic for for you to get more attached to the um artistic styling of it um yeah yeah just as that's kind of a good way of summarizing summarizing this game is it doesn't really do a lot for gameplay yeah it's it's an interesting it's an interesting game yeah i think it is a gem like a hidden gem that very few people have played or even heard of case in point me i had never even heard of it um yeah it's a i don't know it's a cute little game i had a you know bitch and a half of a time trying to get it to work though 
Yeah, it, it was, it's tough to get Sega Saturn stuff. Not a whole lot of people trying to um, figure out the best way to emulate the Sega Saturn. Not right, a whole lot even, of a, yeah, desire for try, that one. Even if you try to buy all this stuff legitimately, it's incredibly expensive at this point. Like, I, I lost my Sega Saturn stuff, like, 10, 15 years ago at this point. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh man, that sucks because like there's some cool shit on the Sega Saturn, you know. Um, but yeah, I I would a hundred percent stamp this game as a hidden gem, you know. Def, it's not it's not worth going out to buy all the stuff for it, but it's like, hey, I'm glad I grew up with this game. Like this game right. is cool as fuck. It's it's cool. Like, I and plus. I fucking love anime stuff. Like, I, like I'll eat, <laughs> I will eat up any anime game that's like in this kind of style. Like, for some reason, I was getting a lot of like Sailor Moon kind of vibes from it in certain yeah. ways. Yeah, like I think kinda, they had like the same eye design. Yeah, like I, I fucking love giant fucking anime eyes. Like, it's I, for some reason I think it's <laughs> I think it's super cool. I think a stall looks awesome. He's like like one of the coolest character designs. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's just straight nostalgia for me, or if it's, or if it's actually cool. <laughs> like, I mean, me, I think he looked all right. It's He's cool, like, and like, and his and his counterpart also looks fucking sweet. You know, like the the bad, the evil stall. Oh yeah, like Vegeta stall. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Hundred percent. hundred percent. They look super cool, and it, it, it got me thinking. It was like. Why has Sega done nothing with this character again? You're like, why can't this character like pop up in some way? Like in like in the background of a fighting game or like like an assist like, trophy in Smash Bros. Yeah, like <laughs> like that's a level of fame I think he deserves. Bring back a stall. <laughs> hashtag a stall. The stall re-release. Put it on the Switch. Yeah, I, oh, that would be cool. I love this game. I, I, I this game is super cool. I, I'm so glad this brought back so many uh, nostalgic memories. I think more more than any other game we've played so far, did I get hit in the nostalgia? Because here's here's something else that I did uh, that you probably didn't do this, but like I it it I felt like I needed to. I looked up a PDF of the instruction manual for this game. <laughs> yeah. Because this is back when, when you open a, like, I don't, like, you've probably never opened a Sega uh, Saturn case, but they're, like, they're giant cases. Like, imagine a PlayStation 1 disc, right? It looks like a normal CD case. This is two of those, or maybe, like, one and a half. Oh, really? So it's, like, longer. It's more of a rectangle. And when you open it, it usually has a giant instruction book and then just a little CD. Like the CD, this the Sega Saturn was like a normal looking CD, but the cases were mm-hmm. huge. So it had really <laughs> good instruction manuals. So I looked up this the, the PDF of this, and it has a whole nother section of story that's... What? So this game does a very good job of trying to communicate the story. There's a anime intro thing that tells mm-hmm. a lot of the beats of the story and then every couple of levels like after every boss fight usually there is a kind of long vignette of here's where the story is going and this is what a stall is going through to get to his goal of saving the princess um in the instruction manual it sets up the beginning of the game 
from a stall's point of view. It's written in first person. And it's act it's like it's very interesting because you get like a stall is like a burly dumb character, but like Yeah, not the most eloquent of characters. Right. So like the the fact that they wrote it from his point of view, it comes across like that. It's like short sentences. That guy was a jerk. You know, like right? that kind of shit. Get away um, from me, you stupid bird. Yeah, it's Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's like the worst, but He's doing it for a good reason. I, it, it, this game hits me in the feels. This game hits me in all of the feels. My favorite uh, story beat of a stall is at the very beginning in the opening monologue. Lita just gets kidnapped by somebody off screen or whatever. And then it's like, a stall got so angry that while west- rescuing Lita, he broke the ocean. <laughs> he cracked the bottom of the ocean. And just like, just broke water. <laughs> yeah, it's... It, they do a good job making it feel very, like, mythical, you know? Yeah, like, and the stall, like, a... feels like a strong character, too. Because, like, when you punch or throw people, you're chucking them across the screen. And there are these moments where you pick up, like, these big trees that just, you know, the camera zooms out. You pick it up and you throw it and kill, like, eight enemies at once. It, it conveys his, I guess, like, burliness he's... very well. He's like the Hulk. Like that's like his. That's but like he's so much but dumber. smaller than that. Yeah, he's well, he's not as dumb as Hulk, but like he's <laughs> he's very simplistic, but like he's very strong and he doesn't give a fuck. Like he will like if he punches enemies once, they're dead. Like it's like that. He is very yeah. very strong. He will pick any enemy up and throw them. Like they are just kind of in his way. It's almost like in Assassin's Creed 2, when you're moving through the crowd, you can just push people aside, like, get out of my way. Right. You're not even worth it. Like, that's how it feels like enemies are. He's like Superman freeze breath. Yeah. It's so good. Oh, man. It's so cool. You, like, charge it up, and, like, his chest expands to, like, massive proportions, and then he just blows enemies away. It's actually really cool. It's a really cool thing, right? And, like... Yeah. When he picks up the giant trees and throws them at enemies, it's like, it's a very satisfying. A stall squats down and, like, grunts for a second and goes, ah! And, like, and picks it up and throws it across the screen. And there's, like, good sound effects that are well executed to go along with that. So it feels, like, powerful. Like, that's a part of the final boss is picking up these giant trees and throwing it into the background to hit, like, the boss in the face. Mm-hmm. And it feel and it feels powerful. It feels strong when you do that. Um, it's the the game really nails these like really specific like nerves. Like it, it makes you feel something. Um, it it I this game's cool. This game's really cool. I just wish it didn't last for two hours. You know, right, like it, squandered it's, potential. It's not. It's not varied enough in gameplay, and it doesn't last long enough. It, it's just like it, it, it shits its its entire load. Like it, it blows everything on art direction and like feel. But then there's like it's very unimaginative when it comes to the level layout. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, you no don't get like level- a whole lot of cool varied platforming elements. There's the one auto-scroller with the turtle that, like, will pop you up or will attack enemies in front of you. 
there's one um one of the latter mission later missions uh you can like jump on crystal pillars and they'll start falling and then you can jump to the next one but there's nothing done to make the platforming which is the bulk of the game anything special yeah yeah and it's it's like that it's it's like the one critical flaw of this game but I love everything else about it that, like, I almost want to give it a pass. Because the game is still very playable. It's, yes. It's, it's, the game is not broken. It is, it plays very well. Like, the jump feels satisfying. I think there's only one, there's one really bad jump in that game, I feel like. And it's on that Crystal, it's on that Crystal Pillars one. Um, there's, like, <laughs> one shitty jump there. But, like. Oh, Yeah. Maybe I I never beat this game as a kid. I've only beat it now as an adult, um, and I think I think save states really helped because I I remember mm-hmm. losing runs in this game because like I died too many times to this one boss and then this one specific jump I keep fucking it up and I yeah you get one continue so like if you if you fuck up early and you get in one game, continue like, you put you put yourself at a disadvantage for everything else after that but. But overall, the game like it, it's playable. You know, like it. Yeah, it's it's difficult because I agree with you. Like I, I want to give it a pass because there's so obviously effort and planning and dedication put into this game by you know the programmers and the actors, not by the scriptwriters. They did a terrible, terrible job. Um, <laughs> but it's yeah, it's it's just has so much charm to it and it's like it's just trying so damn hard and it's it's like almost getting there um so i mean i i i think i'd give it a, it's like a solid three uh broken oceans out of five, out of five. i <laughs> i give this game about 60 yatas out of a fucking million i don't know <laughs> Out of a, a blonde Vegeta stall. I really like the sound effects in this game. Like, the way the game, the way levels start with the, Igza! And then, like, at the end, it goes, Yeah! <laughs> like, I get that sound effect stuck in my head more often than I'd like to admit. And nobody would ever get the reference if I did it. Like, Jake, I'm pretty sure you're the only person at this point that I could, that I could do that. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's that one video game. <laughs> It's a, it's a stall. It's a stall. Right? <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, right. Deep cut there. Um, so I think now's the time we need to talk about um, fan engagement. All right. So we've gotten one email since our last podcast. It's from Mark K. It says, heart. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Subject line, right. you guys rock. Thanks, Mark, for the shout out. Thanks for the love. Mark, I appreciate the positive feedback. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, keep sending it. Send your emails in to heyilikethatgame@gmail.com. We will also read your email out when we get emails. Doesn't happen very often. Yes. We also we got our first uh, tweet. You can tweet at us at likethatgame. Uh, it's actually a game suggestion, which won't be our next episode, but we will definitely get to very soon because tony do you want to know what the next uh, game's going to I be do. well we're gonna dive into uh 
a little rogue, a little roguelike, uh, one of the better known and I think better roguelikes, uh, The Binding, Binding of Isaac. Of Isaac. This is going to be great. So had you ever played so this I've one before? Very, very limitedly. I got this for free through PlayStation Plus uh, probably like four years ago, and I played it for a couple hours. I was like, oh, this is fun, Like, but I didn't get super into it. I like the, I like the guys at Team Meat, you know? Um, like they, make, they make cool games. Super, mm-hmm. super Meat Boy is super cool. Um, but I've barely played this game. I'm super excited to delve into it, though. Yeah, yeah. When I was playing this, I was going through my big roguelike kick, and I was playing uh, this a whole lot and FTL yes. a whole lot. And we'd already talked about FTL, Faster Than Light, on this show, so it's time to get into the other one. Uh, so let's see how well it compares uh, next time on Hey, Featuring I Like That Game. a guest. We'll be having uh, another guest for Binding of Isaac as well, Mr. Tony 2.0, next time on Hey. I Next time. Like that. Game. That. Game. Fucking so stupid. Oh my god. I love it. I hate Perfect. This show. <laughs>